Okay, so uh, um, I, I, I am going to share, remember the prophecy? You've all heard that probably twice now, but I'm not going to read it again. But it was Kenneth Hagin's prophecy that he gave in 1980, talking about the powers of darkness that were being loosed and that the church would need uh, soldiers to rise up and to pray. And so I think... You know me and I and how much okay you can go kids quiet. <laughs> you know me and and how much I enjoy teaching on prayer, and and I think that will be a probably a mantra of mine for some time. But prayer, I think, I believe, is an everyday situation for the believer. That prayer should be every day, and maybe more than once a day. Hi, you know, prayer is just a just a part of a believer's life. Praying, amen. It's a part of our life, and so. So I don't think that we're just called to pray at certain times. I, I believe that's part of it. But when you have an unction to pray, you want to pray for that person. When you have a pull, an unction to pray, even if you don't have the pull or the unction, if somebody calls you to pray for them, pray for them. Pray for them. Amen? Amen. That's, that's the church's job. And, you know, that's the communication. We have such a hotline between God and ourselves. It's just like a, it's a new it's a new type of cell phone that nobody else has unless you're a believer and you speak in tongues. You know what I mean? It's a new kind of cell phone. So I think there should be an advertisement for that, <laughs> that we can all have that new cell phone. It's a hotline to him. And he answers every prayer request that goes up. Amen? Every prayer request. Okay, so um, let's... Uh, I talked a little bit about last week about being a soldier in the army and you want to serve the one that enlisted you. The minute you got born again, you are enlisted in his army. You're part of his army. The minute you're born again and you don't, you serve him. You don't serve your flesh, right? You don't serve your flesh. Okay. So I talked about uh, James five sixteen, and you can turn there if you'd like, but um, when I'm just going to, it's an amplified that I'm going to read here. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. The earnest, heartfelt prayer, earnest, heartfelt prayer, earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. Amen? And so let's look at Kings, First Kings, please. I want you to see... Because it goes on in James and talks about Elijah being a man like us. And so I just want you to understand. I've talked about this before, but I think there's not a, there, there's no reason or no, I, I shouldn't be um, saying let's, uh, I, I'm saying I'm talking about prayer too much. We can't talk about prayer enough. Amen? We can't talk about prayer enough. In Marilyn's, Marilyn's son, testimony that she shared Saturday was all around prayer and it was a blessing to hear the answers that have come because of her prevailing prayer in the situation with her children amen prevailing prayer does work okay first kings 18 um chapter 18 first kings chapter 18 and of course if you and we're not going to read this whole thing because I've got a book of scripture verses already so it has to do, so you can read back up and read the story where he's dealing with the Baal gods and, and um, starting with verse, I think I got 39. And when all the people saw it, he just won the battle in the natural between the Baal gods and, and um, 
and, and uh, himself on God. And they, they said, and when all the people saw it, that, that they, they fell on their faces and he said, the Lord, he is God and the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Verse 41. Now Elijah said to Ahab, and the whole, the whole drought had been brought about by uh, Elijah where he prayed and stopped the rain for three years. And then he did the battle with Baal, the Baal gods. And, uh, and because he had won, it was time to free that area up. There was no longer Baal gods running the territory. And you can see that. I mentioned this before. You can see that in third world countries when they worship a different God than Jesus, than our God. You can see the destruction that goes on in that country. You know, they have no, um, there's famine. They have no produce being raised. They, they just, it's just a mess in those countries. And if you look at it and you can see the things that are inching their way into our country. I don't believe that's political. It's just known. It's just a known fact that we're not in the same place we were 10 years ago or even two years ago. It's just a known fact because there's other gods that are being worshipped in our country. And that needs to stop, and it will, okay? So First Kings, back to 42. So Elijah won the battle, and he's talking to Ahab now. And he says, go up, eat, and drink, for there's the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. So how did he hear the sound of the roar of the heavy shower? <laughs> it was a spiritual sound. He heard it in the spirit. He heard it in the spirit. Remember I talked to you a couple weeks ago about, you know, we are a spirit being first. We have a soul and we live in a body. So we primarily should be living out of our spirit man. We should be living out of our spirit man. Not letting our flesh dominate us. Amen? Our flesh shouldn't be dominating us and running us around and telling us what we should and shouldn't think and do. Okay, so he heard that in the spirit. He heard the, the roar of a heavy shower. So we have verse 42, went up to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Now you see, he heard the, he heard the shower. He heard the rain in the spirit realm. Just like you do. Like if you're going to pray and you're going to intercede for somebody, you hear in the spirit realm, you hear a revelation about that person. You hear a revelation. You, you, you may hear a revelation that they're bound in a spirit of fear. Okay? You hear that revelation? Oh, okay, that's nice, Lord. But you have to do something with that. That's your job because God told you about it. So, so you, then you start interceding and breaking the power of the spirit of fear off of them. And you do it until you have a victory note on the inside of you. Amen. So Elijah knew that there was the rain. It was in the spirit realm. Everything takes place in the spirit realm before it comes here. So our job is to bring it from the spirit realm here. Huh. And it's not hard to do. You just got to pray. Bring it from the spirit realm here. So that's what Elijah went to do. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, verse 42. But Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. He was birthing in the spirit realm. He was birthing that rain in. He, it was, he was birthing it in. And, and uh, when you get into a place of intercession, it sounds, it, it has the feeling and the sounding of birthing, actually giving birth to the natural. Okay? 
Verse 43, and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. The servant said, there's nothing. And he said, go back. He told him to go back seven times. I said this to you before, how many of you would have given up on the first time? Oh, well, I guess I missed it. No, if you heard it in the spirit realm, you didn't miss it. You keep praying it in. How many of you would given up if you if it, the servant had gone three times and come back? You could feel discouragement creeping in, right? <laughs> feel like, oh, I'm going to give up on that, you know? And But no, seven times the servant, seven times he told him to go back. Verse 44, and it came about at the seventh time that he said, behold, a cloud has, as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, go up, stay to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. And so it came about in a little while that the sky grew black and the clouds and wind and there was a heavy shower and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. 25 miles, he outran him. There's a, I, I've studied a little bit the hand of the Lord. That's really um, interesting Subject. I haven't got enough of it under my belt to really teach on it, but the hand of the Lord is similar to the anointing, but the hand of the Lord was on Elijah so that he was able to run and outrun uh, Ahab. Amen? So that there was an anointing on that, and he prayed that in, and that manifested in the shower, the heavy shower and the rain. So, see, remember in James, it says that Elijah was a man like us, that means everybody in this room is capable of doing the same thing that Elijah just did. Amen? Everybody in this room is capable of praying. When God tells you his will in the spirit realm, when he tells you that, he's equipped you, he's made you available, He's whatever he's done, he gives you that, that instruction and that wisdom. You know what you're supposed to pray in. Then you have the anointing to pray that in. You have that ability on the inside of you to pray that in to manifestation. Amen. You have it. You have it. You have it. Amen. Okay. So that, um, the key, um, it, I've got several keys here. So that key you can write down is perseverance. Elijah persevered didn't matter what his servant said. He persevered. He knew that he knew that he knew in the spirit realm what he had heard. And probably he saw it too, but probably what he heard. You, you can hear stuff in the spirit realm and not necessarily see it. You hear it. Like the roar of the lion or you hear the shower, whatever. You hear that stuff in the spirit realm. Okay, so um, let's look at Ephesians 6. And this should be a familiar scripture verse, but it just tied right in with this one with Elijah. Ephesians 6, 18. Does that sound familiar? Okay, 6, 18. Of course, prior to that is the, all the armor. We've talked about that quite a bit. 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, on the alert, we talked a lot about last week about being on the alert, didn't we? On the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. There's that word perseverance again. There's a lot in that scripture verse, but perseverance is a real key. It's a key to answer prayer, to prayer, prayer being brought forth, the manifestation of it. Alert there is watching to be, um, watching, that word watching. I think it's King James a little bit different. 
mine says alert, but I think King James says watching or watch. Um, anyway, that word there is to be sleepless, keep awake, watch, attentive, ready, to be intent upon a thing, never be off guard. Okay, so so is that saying to you that we're never to sleep, we're to watch what the enemy's doing, never sleep? Huh? No. Watch, we're supposed to be watching. We're supposed. Do you know your spirit man never sleeps? Your spirit man is always awake and never sleeps. That's why when you go into a hospital room and somebody's in a coma, you still watch what you say. And you pray right because they hear everything you say. They hear everything you pray. So you, so you watch and pray right. Um, and so the, your spirit man is always, always awake. He's always awake. So that's the, that's the watch part. That's the sleepless part. You're always awake. You're always awake. And so, you know, people have dreams at night, spiritual dreams. Those spiritual dreams are being brought to you, <laughs> brought to you in your spirit man, and then they filter up and you hear them, or you see them, or however the dream unfolds to you. So, so your spirit man is hearing those things, and he's getting them across to you. Amen? So, so we're always hearing those things. We always should be alert. We're always paying attention. You've heard me say that many times. We're always paying attention. We're ready to do battle against the enemy. We're ready to stand in, in, a, in a agreement with God against the oppressive forces that are, that are hindering somebody from walking free from, from the uh, things of the enemy. Amen? So we always should be ready. We should be ready to hear, ready to listen, and ready to do. Okay, so alert. Um, let's, let's look at, uh, real quick, Nehemiah. We had this one last week, but we're not going to read all of it. But I just want to bring it to your attention again. Nehemiah chapter 4. And Nehemiah here, I think this is an excellent correlation as to how the body of Christ is supposed to be doing because they're alive to the things of God. And starting with verse 6. So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Remember, Nehemiah came. He was grieved about the wall, the destruction of Jerusalem, so he's coming to repair the wall. Now it came about when Sambalot, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed, that that was very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to come cause a disturbance in it. But we prayed. We prayed to our God. I think that's important to sit and listen to that. We prayed to our God. All of that that was still going on, they repaired the wall part way, halfway up. But there was still stuff being conspired against them. So they prayed. We prayed to our God. Because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. Thus in, in Judah it was said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing, yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them and put a stop to the work. And it came about when the Jews who lived near them came and told them ten times, they will come up against us from every place. Verse 13, Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space, behind the wall, the exposed places, and I stationed the people 
in families with their swords, spears, and bows. And when I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. That is a statement to the church. Do not be afraid, but fight for your brothers, your sisters, your, your sons, your daughters. Fight for them. That doesn't mean you go out and get a pair of boxing gloves and fight. You fight, you fight for them in the spirit realm. You fight for them in the spirit realm. We are in a war, and the demonic influences want to steal our country, want to steal our families, want to steal our children, want to steal our finances, and want to steal our health. So we can either sit down and let all that happen and say, oh, I guess it's God's will. (laughs) Or we can get our boxing gloves on in the spirit realm and do a number on the demonic influences and they will back off. Amen? They will back off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, let's just jump down to 17. Those who were rebuilding the wall... And those who carry burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other hand holding a weapon. That's the church. That's a picture of the church to come. I really believe that with my heart. 18, as for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built while the trumpeter stood near, near me. And so the trumpeter had a, play, a place, to, had a part to play as well. But they, they they built with one hand and they carried the sword with the other. You know, the sword is representative of the word of God. And you use it against the demonic influence when they come to smother, to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So the church is going to be rebuilding and building and rebuilding and building. The church is going to be in a dominant position. The church is going to be in a dominant position. I believe that with my heart. It's not going to claw to get its way to the top. The church is going to be the top. The church is going to be on top. But we're going to have to carry a weapon, and we're going to have to use our weapons. We can't just say, oh, well, we're going to have to use them. We can't let them run over. And and the the best time to start is if the enemy's trying to steal your finances or he's trying to bring sickness and disease on you or he's trying to still uh, cause your children to go the wrong direction. That's the best time to start and deal with the demonic influences. Amen? Amen. So Nehemiah, I think, is an excellent example of where the church is going to go or should be right now. The church hasn't been there. You've heard me say that the last two or three Sundays. If the church had been where they were supposed to be doing that, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in. Amen? Okay. Amen. So let's look at Second Corinthians. Our weapons. About our weapons. Second Corinthians. Ten. Second Corinthians 10. That, and this one I just kept, you know, going over and over. And I, I got up this morning and I didn't have a thing, folks. <laughs> and, um, and so I kept hearing this scripture verse. And I said, well, Lord, how does that tie? How does that work? But the weapons are, of our warfare are not carnal, like I just said. They're not a, box of, uh, a couple of boxing gloves. 
The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. They are mighty. They are mighty. Um, well, let's just read it. Second Corinthians 10.4, start there. For uh, Well, let's start with 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And then that sound familiar to the one in Ephesians 6, um, 10 or 12? One of the two. You know, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but we wrestle with principalities, powers, and rulers. That's who we're wrestling with, not flesh and blood. We, we, we don't get upset with flesh and blood. It's the demonic influences that are oppressing them. Amen? And they know exactly, the demonic influences know exactly how to push your button to get you to respond. They will use somebody to get you, get to, they'll use somebody to push your button to get you angry or, or in unforgiveness or upset or worry or anxiety. They know how to do that because they watch how you respond. That's They watch. The familiar spirit watches and he passes that information on. Okay, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Verse 5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So... The warfare is is the difficulties that oppress us, or, or oppress us. Okay, the difficulties that oppress our country, the difficulties that might oppress our president, the difficulties. Okay, so carnal there means governed by our own human nature, not by the spirit of God. See, the weapons are not um, of our warfare are not carnal. Okay, and the pulling down is a stronghold or the destruction or demolition of the strongholds. Do you know there's strongholds in people's minds, strongholds in our government, strongholds in our nation, strongholds, strongholds, strongholds. So so we have, though, we have the weapons of our warfare, are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down or the destruction of those strongholds. That's the church. The church walks in power, enough power that raised Jesus. We walk in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. But I don't think our mind's been renewed to that. Otherwise, we wouldn't get wimpy the minute we... Well, I'll say I won't go there. Okay. All right. Okay, strongholds. Anything on which one relies that is not God. You know the stronghold? I I, I would always say the stronghold is where... You've agreed with something that isn't God, and it causes a stronghold. A stronghold can be caused by a hurt and a wound from something has happened, and then the demonic influence comes in there and runs that stronghold. I hope this is not too deep for you. Okay. Okay, so strongholds, anything in which one relies that is not God. Who are we supposed to rely on? Who's the paraclete? The Holy Spirit. That word helper there is paraclete. And I always think about somebody with, somebody with a crutch when I think about that word. You know, where you, you lean on the crutch to help you walk. You lean on the Holy Spirit to help you walk spiritually. You lean on him. Amen? You lean on him. He's, he's the paraclete. He's the helper. You, you know the role. <laughs> anyway, let's look at Psalms 44.5, please. 
Then we got a little skit we're going to do, folks. A what? Parachutes. Parachute, yes. <laughs> yes, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do. There's a lot of things like that. But Okay, 44.5. Now, this, this here, we're going to put this to work. But another key, if you're writing down the keys, is authority, our authority for, for answered prayer. Uh, 44.5, through thee we will push back our adversaries. Through him we'll push back our adversaries. Through thy name, the name of Jesus, we will trample down those who rise up against us. Amen? That's not, that's not something we're, we're doing in the natural that's something we're going to do in the spirit realm, okay? Because we've been given authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power in the enemy. So we use that authority to push back our enemy. We use that authority to tread upon him, annihilate him, and take his power away from him. Amen? We use that authority to trample down. And it, it, I'm not going to have you turn to Luke 10, 19, but that's where... Um, that's where that scripture verse. Okay, so we're going to do um, uh, we're going to do a little a little skit here. I want you to see this. We've never really done this one, but um, Max, Max, hmm. Max, Max is you can. Well, let's see. Yeah, yeah. You can. Why don't you stand right here, Max? Just be right here, Max. Max doesn't know it, but he's got it. He's dealing with some oppression. Demonic oppression. You're supposed to look sad. Sad. <laughs> Demonic oppression and woe is me. That woe is me. <laughs> okay. Okay, so then Caitlin and and um, Caden and Nick. Okay, come here. Put this put that bag on you. Well, it's just wrap yourself around it. <laughs> and that one too. And this one too. There we go. Okay, so yes. <laughs> okay, so so these guys are the demonic influences, and you're supposed to be oppressing him. You get around there and press him, press him. Yeah, that's very good. Oppress, oppress. Yak in his ear. Yak in his ear. Yak in his ear. Okay, okay. <laughs> oppress. <laughs> are you oppressing? Oppress, oppress, oppress. Okay, okay. So, the intercessor's job. Intercessor's job. <laughs> is it... <laughs> the intercessor's job. Remember? Real loud, real loud. Back off in Jesus' name. Get out of here in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. <laughs> okay, so, so now he's free. He's free to hear the right thing from the Lord. He's free. <laughs> okay, thank you guys. That's good. <laughs> I wanted you to see that actually in. <laughs> I wanted you to see that in action. <laughs> because I talk about that. I talk about that oppressive thing and the, the position 
of the intercessor is you get in between the oppression and the person that is being oppressed. You stand in the gap. You literally do that. And a, a lot of times when you stand in that gap for that person, you feel what's going on with them. And it helps you pray effectively. You, you just don't take it on. <laughs> you don't take it on, but it helps you pray effectively. You know, like I said, he was, let's say he was oppressed with depression. I pick that up. I break the power of depression and fear. Whatever else the Lord shows me, I command it to get off of him in Jesus' name. Now, I may get a little bit of a release if there's something more. If there's, the Lord shows me he needs to forgive some, someone or he needs to repent, whatever. That's my, that's my job to, to pray that out for him so that then when all that freedom comes, God's been already trying to talk to him about it. He's already been convicting him of it. But when all that freedom comes, because of the sin, the oppression comes, whatever that may be. Yes? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I can do that, but they still have to walk it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that, or I'll forgive. I'll do the forgiving, and I'll repent, or whatever needs to happen, you know. And But they still have to walk that out. They still have to walk that out. But now they have an opportunity to do that because the pressure, the oppression is pushed back. They're hearing from the Lord and they can walk out their freedom. Okay? Does that make sense? But you as the intercessor, you stand in the gap for them. You stand against the oppression and, and to bring freedom to them. Okay? You stand there in the gap. And so and when I'm, what I was saying, you don't take it on. You don't take on... You don't take any of that on that you stand in the gap experiencing, whether whether it's depression or fear or sickness and disease, whatever it is, you are driving it off of them. It doesn't have a right to come towards you. And sometimes if I sense, sense and I need to, I will thank Jesus for the blood, his shed blood, and I thank you that by his stripes I'm healed, whatever I need to do to enforce the defeat of it so it doesn't attach itself to me, okay? All right, so so we are we are um, verse five. Through thee we will push back our adversaries. Now I did not know this scripture verse was here. Maybe some of you did. I thought, oh man, that's amazing. And I forgot to write it down. I'm going, Lord, where's that scripture verse at? <laughs> I was praying in the spirit, and then I found it uh, again. But through thee we will push back our adversaries, because see, when you stand in the gap. You are standing in, in, in the in Christ position. You understand that? You're in, in Christ. Through thy name, we will trample down those who rise up against us. Amen? Just real simple. All right. So, um, Psalms 44, 5. Psalms 44, 5. See, it, um, see, in our, well, this key's coming a little bit later, but love is the, love is the motivator for all of this. Because, see, God doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants them all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Every one of them. I don't care how bad they are. Charles Manson was the, one of the worst. But, you know, our job is to stand in the gap and pray for these people. Now, he's already gone. But, you know, God doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants them all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, see, because God is love and God is in us, then our love is shed, the love of God is shed broad in our heart. So our love is the same as his. We don't want anybody to perish either. 
Amen? We want them all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's look at Romans 8.27, please. I'm trying to make this as simple um, so that you can follow what I'm sharing with you. I mean, some of this I've shared before, but this, this it, to me, was uh, um, important to get the intercession part across because that is the church's job, to stand in the gap. Um, and I'm just going to look right now, I'm just going to look at verse 27 because verse 27 talks about intercession. And we'll come back and do the other after a little bit. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Intercession there is, is um, intervening on behalf of another. And I, I pretty much explained that. But, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we can, we can, when we stand in the gap, we'll get the will of God for that person. The will of God is that for that person to be free from depression or free from fear. That's the will of God for that person from sickness and disease, like I shared with you, where um, uh, Ruby was, yeah, I guess that's okay, say her name, where Ruby was coming from and uncontrollable shaking. So that wasn't God's will for her. God's will for her was to was life and healing and wholeness. So, so we as believers stand in the gap and we push it back. You understand? We push it back. Okay, okay. So um, let's um, another key. Then let's look at. We talked about Second Timothy last week. Second Timothy. We're not going to read all of this. Just a. Second Timothy chapter two verse four, and I mentioned already a little bit that we are soldiers. We've been enlisted the minute we got born again, and um, we're here to please the guy that enlisted us, right? That's that's our whole objective is to please him. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier, entangles himself in every, everyday life. That encompasses a whole lot of things. And um, let's just look at, um, well, verse 5 says you don't win the prize if you're, if you're not running by the rules. And all of you track stars here. <laughs> Guys are track stars. There's other track stars here, right? Anyway, those who, if you don't run by the rules, you're not going to win the prize, Correct or any other sport you're in. If you don't play by the rules, you're going to get kicked out, right? Okay, so let's look at Hebrews now and tying that together. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 on this one. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily, there's that word again, entangles us. Sin entangles us. There's a lot of things that, um, um, this is a simple example. Um, the Lord convicted me of not, not chewing gum. And so I, I quit doing that. But then, but then, all right, let's, we can use sugar. Gum is a little bit too simple for everybody. But anyway, we can use sugar. If the Lord convicted me of sugar and not to eat any sugar, the minute, and that may not be a sin for you, but it's a sin for me if I do too much of it. You know, if I do too much, it becomes sin to me. And so that kind of thing 
is will entangle me and hinder me from doing everything that God's called me to do. Because if he's told me to not eat so much sugar, then I need to stop doing it. He knows that it's affecting my body physically. And so if he's told me to stop doing it, if, if I don't do that, then it's going to affect my body physically and will hinder me in running my race effectively. Does that make sense? So there's things that are sin to me but are not sin to you that the Lord is, would be convicting you of. Okay? Okay, so therefore, since we, verse 1 of chapter 12, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us again. There's that word endurance or perseverance. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, before the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. So it's important to keep before us what Jesus endured. Endured. Remember, I talked about the two. Um, oh, what is the anyway? There were six to seven hundred soldiers surrounding him after he was convicted, and they were all pushing him around. Can you imagine that? Pushing him around, you know. And of course, then there was a lot of other things that happened to him. But um, if we can keep that before us, then we're ready to do what God's called us to do, because we're not at that place. Amen. Okay, so the, another key here is to not be entangled by sin, not to be entangled by sin. And you can um, look at Psalms. You don't have to look there, but write down Psalms sixty-six, eighteen, And that just says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear my prayer. God won't hear my prayer. And, um, and also going back to the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, righteous man. A righteous man means there was no sin. So that's a key. You, you need to be in a right standing, a righteous position. And you all understand the minute you get out, minute you sin, you get out of that right standing position. So you need to repent, ask the Lord to forgive you and cleanse you from all righteousness, and then you move back into a right standing or a righteous position. So if you're in that right standing position, you're effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Your prayer will avail much, but you have to be in that right standing position. So no sin is a key. Okay? And then first John five. First John five. This is another key coming up. First John five four. Fourteen, excuse me. First John five fourteen and fifteen. And this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. There's a lot of things I could make keys for prayer, but this is, I'm trying to stay with the major ones. Who knows what that key is in this one? What's, it, what's, what's the key that will cause the prayer to come to pass? The will of God, yes. That's right. And then this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And that's so important, that having that uh, according to God's will. See, I've talked about this before. We pray 
God's will. And we, we pray in the spirit. We, we can pray in the spirit. You know, remember that special cell phone we have that we can pray in the spirit? And we can get God's will on this situation. We get God's will. We hear it. We hear it. You know, we should be praying. We should be praying for, um, uh, it says to pray with your, pray with, pray in the spirit and pray with the understanding, sing in the spirit and sing with the understanding. We should pray and ask the Lord to, to um, uh, give us the understanding when we're praying in the Spirit, to give us the revelation, give us the understanding. He will do that because see, He wants our prayers to be effective for us. Amen? So so when we, when we pray in the Spirit, like we were just doing, we were standing in the gap for Max, we're praying in the Spirit, and we hear something that's going on with Him, what we need to do is we pray that out in English, then the angels hearken to the word of the Lord, and they bring about what we prayed. Amen? They bring about, they hearken. The angels hearken to the word. Answer comes, you know. But that's where perseverance comes. That doesn't mean the answer is right now. Or it can be right now, like with Ruby. Ruby was, it was real quick. It was real quick. It was real quick. But she was doing some of the things I encouraged her to do. And, you know, I was encouraging her to, to, to praise, you know, the song, Let God Arise and Enemies Be Scattered. So I encouraged her. So she sent me a video of her. She was sitting with some pillows propping her up, and she had her tambourine, and she had on the on the TV screen, like, God, arise, let your enemies be scattered. And she was pounding the tambourine. And so so those were some things, but she was she received real quick on that. Sometimes it happens quick. Sometimes that's why perseverance is such an important key, so that you stay on it. Amen? You stay on it. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Prayer brings the forces of heaven against the forces of darkness. Prayer opens up that door so that we can defeat the enemy. Amen? Okay, now let's go back to that Romans 8, just for, we'll be closing here in just a minute. Romans 8, where we don't know how to pray as we ought, but we can pray and get God's will. See, the Spirit is already, verse 26, and in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for saints according to the will of God. So we can intercede intercede and pray for the situations according to the will of God. We can do that. Then we get verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good, to bring him glory, not you glory because you stood in the gap, but to bring him glory because he's already made the provision for everything. Amen? To bring him glory. Amen? According to the will of God, that's the key. That's, that, that key is will. So there should be, I think, five keys. Do you have five keys? Everybody got five keys down? No? <laughs> Are you kidding me back there? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we get sin and his will, authority. Uh, oh, yeah, one more. There's five. Okay, we got to come to five. Excuse me. Got too many papers. Anyway, um, oh, okay. Um, any situation, any situation can change. Any situation can change. And that's, that's, that's my heart on that. I, I'm not moved or deterred at all by what the circumstance looks like. I just know with God and prayer, any situation can change. 
I don't care if it's individual or if it's nation, nationally. If he's called me to pray about it and he's told me something to pray, then, you know, like the new day, the new nation, I call that in. I call it in. He's told me about it, so I call it in. Amen? Amen. You guys know about it, so you should be calling it in too. Okay. So prayer and intercession, standing in the gap, can change the situation. It can also change you and the situation. It can also change you and the situation. Or intercession can change just you. What happens there? You're interceding for this person over here, and it's changing you. Let's say you thought they were not walking in love and blah, 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 blah. So you start interceding for them, and God shows you you were the one that wasn't walking in love. So it's changing you. It's causing your love channel to get bigger is what it does. See, it changes you spiritually when you deal with that. Okay? So, so intercession can change a situation. It can change the situation and you, or it can change just you. It will. It will do that. I don't know how many times I've had it do that, but it, it will do that. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, please. Oh, I already talked about that. Okay. Isaiah. Isaiah 21 then. 1 Corinthians, if you want to write that down. 1 Corinthians 14 was, you know, um, we receive the revelation and pray it out. Angels hearken. And change happens. Um, Isaiah 21 then. Um, 21. And this is, a, this is a, talking about the watchmen. And you, are, you all are watchmen. You all are watchmen. Chapter 21, verse 6 through 10. For thus the Lord says to me, and this is a, a good example of revelation that could come to you when you're standing in the gap for an individual or for your nation or for the president, whatever. For thus the Lord says to me, go station, go station the lookout. Let him report what he sees. Go stand, go watch. When he sees riders, horsemen in pairs, a train of donkeys, a train of camels, the enemy, the enemy, let him pay close attention, very close attention. Pay attention, because he will show you an enemy that's coming after you or your children or the church. Recently, there's a couple things the Lord showed me where the church was concerned, so I've been hitting them in the spirit realm. Yeah. Verse 8, then the, out, then the lookout called, O Lord, I stand continually by day on the watchtower, and I am stationed every night at my guard, po- guard post. Verse 9, now behold, here comes a troop of riders, Horsemen in pairs. And one answered and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon. And all the images of her gods are shattered on the ground. Oh, my threshed people and my afflicted of the threshing floor. What I have heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I make known to you. I mean, Babylon had fallen. So he's going to make known to you. He's going to tell you we got the victory over here. We may not see it here, but we need to pray that victory in. Okay? Okay, and 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 it's so important. We can hear, we can hear what the prophets are saying. If something there quickens to you, pray it in. Get in agreement and pray it in. But it's important you hear yourself because then you will have faith to pray in what God has told you. Okay, it's important you hear it yourself. 
So then that causes faith to rise up, to pray it in. Okay, here's the last key, is, is love. I think I mentioned it. In seasons of harvest, we are, we're coming into the seasons of harvest, and just, just know the enemy doesn't want the harvest to happen. The enemy doesn't want salvation revivals to happen. And we don't want that to happen. So um, he's going to try to stop it. And that's where our sword on one side and our work on the other side. That's where that comes in play. Okay. Uh, Psalm 109. Let's go to there. And that's the last scripture verse. Psalm 109. 1 through 4. I talked about love already. But, uh, O God of my praise, do not be silent. For they have opened the wicked and deceitful mouth against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without cause. In return for my love, they act as my accusers. But I am in prayer. Amen? That's, That's our attitude, folks. Doesn't matter if they... That that's what we need to be is in a place of love. Love. Okay, that's your last key. Love motivates prayer. God's love never fails. And it's shed abroad in our heart. So if it's shed abroad in our heart, the love of God will never fail in this situation. The love of God. Okay? Not flesh love, the love of God. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word that is alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you, Father, that your word does not return void, but accomplishes a mighty work in the ears of the hearer. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that we have a, a greater revelation, even I do, Father, of prayer and the importance of prayer and that we need to be doing more of it. So I thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your help, for the help of the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into all truth, showing us things to come, And we just want to give you all the praise and the glory, Father, for having the help of the Holy Spirit. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. And we love you, Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If there's anything you'd like prayer for, I'm available to do that. (laughs) Amen. God's good. God is good. He's got good things coming. The church is going to have to fight for him. Amen. Amen. They're not just going to be handed to the church on a silver platter. We have weapons. We know what we're doing. We know what we're supposed to do. So the church needs to do that. Amen.